it's the classic tale of like, I can bake bread. And so I am going to open a bakery. And in right. reality, there's a lot more to running a bakery than just baking excellent bread, you know? Mm. And so a lot of creatives particularly think they can go out on their own and they're faced with all of this business stuff that you never foresaw when you were um, a creative at, a, at an agency working in-house. I, I see it all the time where people, they go register a, an LLC and they get their paperback and they all of a sudden say, I'm CEO of this company. <laughs> and so it's a very attractive thing, but I will say it's, it doesn't fit everybody. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On today's show, we talk with Spencer Blakelock, a freelance animator who dreams of building something bigger. Spencer used to work in-house at an agency before he started freelancing, and when he recently got engaged to be married, he saw a gap in the lucrative wedding market that he thinks he could build a company to fill. But like most creatives, Spencer doesn't really want to give up the fun, creative work in order to sit behind a desk or in meetings all day. And in this episode, Clay and I walk Spencer through a few different ways he can grow his business without having to become a typical CEO type. We answer questions like, who should I hire first? Or when should I hire? Do I have to become my own CEO? And what exactly does a CEO do? We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Spencer Blakelock, which starts in just a few moments after this quick break. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. 
Well, I am stoked uh, to be on the air with you two today. I want to introduce our guest, Spencer Blakelock. Now, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we, I want to dive in a little bit first so that, that the listeners can learn about where you are right now in your business. What's the current state of your business? Oh, I'm a freelance motion designer. And for me, that mostly means uh, working with small agencies and studios, sometimes who don't have any animation or motion output, who might have in-house graphic designers, but no animators, uh, but they need whatever, an explainer video, some Instagram ads that they want to have their designs animated, and I can basically help them with that. Sometimes I work directly with clients, um, but usually it's kind of as part of a, a team. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, for almost three years. I worked uh, out of school one year in-house at a motion design studio. And then uh, since then, I've been freelance going studio to studio. Okay, I love it. What, what are you finding are, are some of your biggest, um, I guess, the, the best ways that you're able to connect with new clients and, and deliver that, uh, that extra value? So. Um, for me, I think doing that one year uh, in-house as a staff animator was the biggest thing I could have done for my freelance career. Uh, partly just like getting to know how a studio works, how people kind of do their jobs, the stuff that you don't learn in school. But also most of my freelance jobs have come directly through referrals from people I used to work with at that studio. And so I think having that kind of those people vouching for me at their new office has turned into long-term clients for me. Yeah, we hear that from a lot of freelancers. They start out in-house, then they maybe go out on their own. Some of, you know, some of the, the good word of mouth, the goodwill or whatever from working in-house translates into clients, which then translates into more clients. And it's a great, sort of a great stepping stone from a full-time job. And some people even, you know, they'll go part-time in-house, part-time freelance and sort of make the transition a little bit easier. So I love that that's been successful for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I would have been a disaster, honestly, if I went uh, freelance straight out of school. I just wouldn't have known how to do anything. I don't know how to, I would have gotten my first job. Um, so for me, that was vital. At that year, you know, there are other freelancers who, who say like, yeah, I'm going to skip the in-house thing altogether. Like I, I just, a job, you know, doesn't feel like it's for me. I, I can't possibly work for someone else. And maybe they're fresh out of college or, or whatever. They're, they're trying, they're maybe saying to themselves, I bet I can figure this out. I mean, what, what lessons did you actually learn or what skills did you gain in that short time that you were working in house that you, you're saying are so valuable? Because I think there are lots of things that, you know, even if you're great at your craft, like it can, there are other things you can be learning from an in-house experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of it's just like super technical, practical things like, uh, just organizing your projects and like getting a file from another animator or designer and seeing how they do things. Or even just like, it's your first year, you're struggling, you don't know how to do lots of things and having someone next to you who you can be like, hey, I don't really know how to approach this or I'm just hitting a little bit of a problem. Like, how would you do this is super valuable. Um, and I know lots of freelancers who get kind of a similar thing from working at kind of co-working spaces. Um, but especially as like a junior, you're learning things, just being able to look over people's shoulders being like, whoa, that's crazy. How are you doing that? And being able to learn from them, I think is a lot better than just like 
watching tutorials all day. Yeah. Uh, so Spencer, you kind of did the opposite of what I did. <laughs> I, oh, yeah? I was, I was uh, you know, I was kind of forced. Uh, and so I started at web, de web design. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I was kind of forced to start uh, from nothing. Right. So like I, I, I didn't work for a, an agency. I didn't work, um, you know, anywhere to learn and craft my skill before I went out on my own. I was kind of, I was just fired from my job that I had, mm -hmm. which was not related to design at all. Um, and then I kind of forced myself uh, into becoming a freelancer. So it's very interesting to see your take on, or to, see, to hear a perspective of someone who uh, did some stuff for as an on-staff animator. I'm very curious though, like, cause you said that you learned like all the skills, uh, or you learned a lot of skills, at least the technical skills, right? As an on-staff person, mm -hmm. like an employee. But like, I want to know, I want to know what was that moment that you said, okay, I'm going to go out on my own um, and you feel okay with it because like, did you learn any business, any of the business aspects of it? Or did you learn any, any sales skills or anything like that? Um, Cause I know like the technical stuff because of what you did for on, on a day to day basis, that was, that was an easy thing to, to learn organically. But did you learn any of the business side of things? Yeah, I'm not sure how much I learned business-wise there, but more the soft skills of like dealing with people was also valuable because I would be kind of combative a little bit with the creative director and have disagreements with them because it was a very creative place, which was great. Um, so I would kind of argue with people of like, I want this to be like the best project it can be. And so going into freelance, I learned that I should kind of dial that back a little bit if I want to have a good working relationship with everybody and get hired again. I mean, yeah, working with people is, is a huge learning curve that frankly, frankly, mostly due to age, I think a lot of people right out of school just haven't learned sort of the intricacies of working with people. It's a real art. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a real challenge. And I, I think too, you know, it's, it's too bad. Like, I'm sure if you could go back, you would do it differently, but it's too bad you weren't able to learn more about how the business itself runs. Mm -hmm. I think so many freelancers find themselves in a similar situation where, you know, even if they have worked in-house for years, they, they decide they can go freelance. This is, this is sort of the, the e-myth, uh, if, if you've read the book, the e-myth revisited, it's sort of the classic tale of like, I can bake bread. And so I am going to open a bakery and in right. reality there's a lot more to running a bakery than just baking excellent bread you know mm. and so a lot of creatives particularly think they can go out on their own and suddenly they're faced with all of this business stuff which clay i'm sure you can speak to even more than i can but there's just all of this business stuff that you never foresaw when you were um, a creative at, a, at an agency working in-house yeah absolutely so i'm kind of dealing with that a little bit i have this idea for a new business I'd like to start because right now I'm really just kind of slotting into a team uh, most of the time. So I don't even have to do that much of my own, like producing or managing my schedule that much. That's still often kind of managed for me to a certain extent. So now that I want to start my own legitimate business, like even more so than just like a freelance business, kind of trying to figure out how to do all of that is really kind of daunting and intimidating. Is this the wedding stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. why don't you let the listeners know what, what you're referring to? Because I, I think this, this is a, a, 
this is important to realize sort of how you're thinking about your current business and, and what your plans are for the future. Yeah. Um, so I got uh, engaged last year and I was thinking about how I could apply my skills as a motion designer to planning our wedding. And I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if we could send out like save the dates and invitations and if they were animated and like I've never really seen those before. And we were looking at kind of all of these uh, basically stock design things that there are tons of services online from various companies being like, hey, send out your invitations or like make your wedding website. And they're all like super generic and you can like change the colors or maybe like a pattern at the top. And everyone's like, oh, my wedding is like so special and unique and because we're a super special and unique couple and then everything looks the same. And I think animation inherently makes things stand out and engages people. And so I was kind of connecting the dots a little bit and thinking how I could make animated invitations, animated like engagement announcements and all this stuff, even like fully interactive websites. And my imagination was going a little bit crazy and thinking like, this is kind of a cool thing. And I think other people would probably think it's a cool thing. And I could potentially turn that into generating new business for, for myself as well. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, you, you, your business right now is, is more of a, just another job. I mean, you are quote unquote self-employed, right? Mm -hmm. But you've basically, and it's not a bad thing. I'm just, I'm just sort of identifying where your business is at. Yeah. Um, you've basically plugged yourself into another job now, right? Like yeah. you used to work in house for a creative director who you'd, go back and forth with and other designers and that sort of thing. And now you do that, but times, I don't know, five or 10 or 15 different uh, in-house organizations. And so you're basically doing like the same job just over and over and over again. Maybe there's a little more flexibility with your schedule and that sort of thing. But what you're, what you're now thinking is like, how can I build this separate thing that doesn't rely on other creative directors, other agencies, other companies to now generate revenue for myself. Yeah, more to your point, I've basically gone from like permalance to permalance job. Like my first freelance job was supposed to be like filling in for crunch time over a weekend and it turned into three months, like eight hours a day. And then like my last two clients lasted for about two years. Um, so yeah, really basically full-time jobs, but as a freelancer. Very curious. Um, how, how is your, your, uh, your sales right now? Is it pretty constant or is it, is it feast famine type thing? Do you go in cycles? Like how is it, how is it currently now? Yeah, great um, to be completely honest with you, I'm a pretty bad freelance salesperson. I've, I'm an incredibly lucky person with amazing timing and privilege probably just like coasting off of uh, referrals and good relationships with people. Um, so yeah, when I decided I was going to go freelance, I responded to an ad in a Facebook group. So I was unemployed for like less than a week and that turned into that first four month freelance job. And then I got my next two on the same day, literally. And those lasted for two years. That so. literally doesn't sound to me like you're bad at sales. Like <laughs> if you reached out to a job posting or a few job postings right when you first went freelance and those lasted months or years, I'm curious why you say you're bad at sales. Um, like right now, if I were to 
like if I was like, oh, I need new clients, I don't even know how I would do that, to be honest. That's a very, uh, this is a very common uh, situation. Oh, really? Uh, uh, 100%. So I, I'll tell you, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that have, um, I, I think it's a trifecta thing, right? So it's either you have one, there's one piece of the triangle, right, where you have the skill set of what you do, you know, you're good at what you do, right? Um, so it sounds like you have that. And then there's another one where uh, people are, where you actually need to have uh, sales, right? Sales and marketing. You need to be able to drive uh, more clients in, right? And then there's the third one that a lot of people don't realize is that you need to have the infrastructure and the systems and processes in place to be able to handle that. Mm. Um, and in order to, um, to, to scale, in my opinion, is you have to have all three, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in some form or fashion, whether it's you um, or somebody else on your team that's good at one of those things, right? But you need to have all three. And so like your situation, you're talking about being a quote unquote bad freelancer. Um, it's good that you're getting this business just like inbound, just from relationships that you know, uh, from referrals and, and things like that. The, I would say the downside of that is, is what happens if that goes away, right? Because exactly. that's, yeah. that's something that's, uh, you know, you can't really open up the faucet, so to speak, on mm -hmm. that. That's not something you can like blow wide open um, with, with your efforts as far as like referrals. Yeah. Um, and so that's the issue is like, okay, what else are you doing uh, with your sales and marketing efforts to, to bring in new business? And so that's why I was curious to see if you were up and down, up and down. And, and also the reason I asked that question is because you're looking at starting this new wedding uh, business. So I was also curious in, as to why you were thinking of doing that. Is it an opportunity, a new opportunity, or is it something you're trying to replace what you're currently doing? Um, if you could kind of dive into that, that, I would love to know that. And I would add to that too, like, is it, is it, um, is it a service you really want to provide or is it a business you really want to create? Like there's a difference between mm. I would love to do animation for people's weddings versus I would love to run a business like Clay's talking about, build a system, right? Mm. That uh, finds new wedding customers all the time because most people get married a limited number of times. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, do I want to keep, do I want to build a system that finds new clients over and over again and then works with those clients and then delivers the product? Or do I just care about like the artistic side of actually creating that work? Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a combination. So I think initially I was kind of excited with having a little bit more creative control because at the moment, as you said, I kind of plug into an existing team and kind of mostly fulfills someone else's idea, like the creative director or the designers. And I have a little bit of freedom within that, but then we kind of go through revisions and it's kind of less and less what I want. But yeah, I kind of imagine having almost a menu of uh, different animations that I've created that I think are cool, and then being able to work with customers and being able to kind of fine tune those to what they want. And I thought that was kind of interesting. But to your point, yeah, having that system to uh, work with people, kind of have new clients and relationships, I thought was exciting. And also being able to work with uh, 
some of my friends who are freelancers, uh, like illustrators and designers and other animators who I don't really get to work with now, I thought was kind of cool. So yeah, I'd say a combination of both. What's the, uh, what's the end game? The end game. Um, where, where do you want to, where do you want to end up? What's the destination? Um, I would like for me to have like a solid system, as you were saying, set up where I have kind of a network of freelancers and be able to have kind of a constant stream of clients coming in with requests and being able to have kind of my list of artists and be able to say, you'll be the best for this job. You can take this, this, and this, and kind of, I guess, transition into a little bit more of a creative director type role, assign relevant projects and kind of give feedback and still, I'd still want to do my own animation. I don't want to ever let that go, I don't think but be able to transition to a bit more of a creative director, I think would be pretty exciting. Yeah. You've said that a couple of times, like you, like you'd like to be a creative director. I'm curious why, why, uh, of course I advocate for working for yourself. I'm curious what motivates you to do it on your own versus becoming a creative director at a really cool agency. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think, the I could do it a little bit more incrementally on my own, if that makes sense. Um, kind of start off doing it all myself and then kind of bringing in friends kind of as it starts to scale a little bit. But I wonder, Clay, if you could enlighten us a little bit. So Clay uh, Spencer, if you don't know, Clay is in the process of building now his second agency. Uh, I, I'm curious, Clay, what role you've played in terms of like as you scale up, as you hire people to do a lot of the sort of groundwork, the creative work, what role does that put you in and how much control do you have over the role that you ultimately take on? Do you become more of a creative director person or do you become more of a business manager, uh, lead generation kind of person? I'm just curious how flexible you feel like that might be. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. 
Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about uh, whenever, Spencer, you were talking about that. Uh, I even saw in the in the, the intake form that it's funny, Chris and I kind of talked about this a little bit before, um, that you said you never, uh, you still want to do the animations, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was a lot like you um, when I first started and I, I, uh, and I have no idea if you, uh, you mentioned that you would like to have a team of animators um, and I don't know if that means like, uh, contractors or or people like that actually work w2 employees that work on your team um but i i was a lot like that um where i i wanted to scale i wanted to have a team um but on the other side was i i still d- wanted to do the design the creative stuff like me as a creative i want to do that stuff right um let me tell you as you scale and i think this is a question you really need to ask yourself like really think about it is whether or not you want to be more freelance versus founder um because like as you scale your role will 100 percent change because my role i will tell you it, it moved into more of a okay i was doing all the design work and then it moved into more of a um more of a elite networker. Like I was business development. I was sales. I was more CEO uh, type role. Um, and, and I could have easily, you know, gone the route of like creative director, but um, I, I, me, myself, I moved into more of a CEO role. Um, and if I think it's okay to move into more, uh, and I've seen this, I have friends that have done this uh, in the agency world where they have founded the company <clears throat> And they've moved into a creative director role, but you got to have somebody in the CEO role, mm-hmm. even if it's not you. Right. Um, and so that's, that's kind of my experience with that. And that's a tough thing to try to figure out as you go along the way is what role do you want to end up at? That's why I was asking what, what your, what your end goal was. It's like, where do you want to end up? Right because you can't figure out how you get somewhere until you know where you're going. Right. right. There's, there's so many different paths. Like I can say, I could say, Hey, you know, if I wanted to go on a road trip and I could say, okay, well, I'm just going to go off and drive. Well, which, which way do I go? I don't know which way unless I know what destination I'm going to. Right. So it's, it's, it's the same thing with business, right? It's like, okay, what, where do you want to end up? What do you really want? Right. It's like, like, that's why I was asking, you know, what, what's the reason the mentality behind why you left your job? Is it freedom? Is it, is it money? Is it, you know, whatever. Um, or is it creative freedom? You know, like what, what if, if, if it's creative freedom, uh, what if an agency hired you to be creative director and gave you 100% freedom, you know? So like, that's another, 
the, there's a lot of what ifs, right? But it all depends on your, your destination really. And there's not really a good or a good or bad solution. Like this freelance to founder scale that, that we tackle on the show, like they're all good options. I think it is important to recognize if you want to move over to more of a founder or more, really what we're really saying in a less catchy way is like having a business and a system that runs, that doesn't rely 100% on you. You do, you have to hire out someone to, to do, to manage that system. Like that system has to be managed one way or another mm -hmm. to keep alive. Right. And, um, and so you either have to do that yourself or you get to hire that out and, uh, and you still have some responsibility over that person. We've thrown a lot at you here. I'm curious where, where your thoughts are at and where we should take the conversation from here, Spencer. Uh, well, I'm curious, what do you consider a CEO to be other than the head of the company? Like what are the kind of responsibilities and like kind of more practical things that you would do that you maybe weren't expecting? I will tell you, there's very few people that actually know the differences between a CEO role and a COO role and... Mm -hmm you know, creative director role. Um, so a CEO, and this is, this is my, my take on it is someone who, um, is more big picture, more big picture type things. Um, and it's, it's more, and I would say more so than not, it's, it's the person that's more, um, on the side of like business development type stuff. Um, so it's almost like the face of the company. Um, that's what I would consider more CEO, COO, chief operating officer is going to be more of, okay, I want to make sure this is the, 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 the piece of the triangle of like, this is how we operate and make sure the processes and the systems and the infrastructure of the company is, is running smoothly. Um, and then, uh, you know, creative directors is going to be one of those, um, chief roles where uh, that's pretty self-explanatory where you're in charge of the creative stuff. So. Um, yeah, th th there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, going any of those directions, uh, and it just depends on what you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, CEO is, I will tell you, it's probably the most attractive three letters that most people want behind their name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I see it all the time where people, they all of a sudden they go, um, they go register a, an LLC or a corporation on the secretary of state website. For, and they pay their $50 or whatever it costs and they get their paper back and they all of a sudden say, I'm CEO of this company. <laughs> and so it's, it's, a, it's a very attractive thing, but I would say it's, it doesn't fit everybody. Just like a CEO, COO doesn't fit everybody and just like creative director, director does not fit everyone. Yeah, I guess uh, since I've mostly worked at smaller places, um, kind of the founder, even if it's been you know, up to 10 people has been also the CEO and the creative director at most of the places I've worked. So for me, they're kind of more, more linked than I think they are in most traditional or older or larger companies. Well, um, let, let me ask you this. What, what roles did uh, the you know, if they're the same person, that's, you know, that's not awful. Like I can see why that would happen at a, a, a smaller company. And maybe that's the size of company that you're aiming for. Maybe that's what you have in, in mind. And, and um, I think that would be perfect, honestly, like we keep our company pretty small on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say I, I sort of assume 
similar roles as well. Like sometimes I'm the CEO and sometimes I'm the COO and sometimes I'm the creative director. But what did you see while you were working in-house that, that the CEO did or that the founder did? Like what was their main role I, aside from maybe the creative director stuff that we've already covered? Yeah, I guess that was most of what I saw because that's kind of how I was interacting with him. But they would, yeah, go to meetings, kind of pitch things. And uh, yeah, the producer would do most of the dealing with clients on like the day-to-day. But I guess the CEO, creative director would do the kind of initial meetings. Uh, So I guess that's the lead generation and uh, business development stuff you're talking about. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think in smaller companies like that, the, there's going to be some overlap for sure. Um, I, I think it's good, though, for because uh, I, I did a little bit of everything, too. Right. Um, however, I think it's good for someone to have a primary role and you have someone else doing something else that there's that's their primary role. Um, I see that a lot with with smaller companies. Uh, the agency I had, we had uh, at one point we had up to twenty three people, I think. Um, and so I had I had it, there was me, and then there was like I had a operations person, COO, and then I also had a, a creative person. So um, I would consider mine to be smaller if, if you're comparative to if you compare to you know just business in general, but. Um, I will tell you, it was a lot easier when, when I had people in charge of those, those things and I wasn't wearing all those hats for Mm -hmm. sure. I am curious though, like it's, I mean, it's pretty presumptuous of us to like sit here and say like, Hey Spencer, just hire a, just hire a COO and uh, you know, a CEO and, and like all your problems will be solved and you'll have a business on your hands. I think, I think, and, and Clay, I'm not saying you're saying that necessarily. I think what we're trying to say is someone has to assume those responsibilities of, of like looking at the big picture of generating new business of steering the company, figuring out where the company is going and being sort of the steward and being responsible for the company. But uh, I mean, who, maybe Clay, when, when you were, when you were first building, maybe your first agency, what, when did those hires happen? Because it can, it can feel really daunting. Like, and I would assume Spencer, maybe you can, share more but I would assume it feels very daunting like to be one person and say like when do I hire someone to start who do I hire first right do I hire someone to build systems for clients that I don't have do I hire someone to bring clients in the door for a business that doesn't have systems ready to accept them like it feels like a very chicken and egg situation so I'd love Spencer maybe your reactions to that and Clay any solutions that you might have for him yeah for sure um Cause I feel like at the moment, my biggest problem with uh, kind of starting a plan is I feel like I'm actually, even though it doesn't sound like it from this conversation, I'm focusing too far down the road. I feel like I'm kind of putting the carriage in front of the horse or whatever the. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Like what's the, what's the best next step is kind yeah. of the question. Right? So I kind of, I'm like looking at the like best project management software to use and like Instagram advertising and stuff when I don't even have like that many solid work samples yet. So like I'm trying to kind of figuring out, yeah, what's step one and then what's step two uh, rather than what's step uh, Y through Z. I, I, you know what though? I actually like that, that, uh, <laughs> that mindset. Uh, that's the way I think. So I, I have a business coach 
who does a whole, he does a lot of elite stuff. He owns, I don't know how many businesses, but he does, he's very high level networking type stuff. One thing he's always told me is I, I, I've, he's been my coach for two years and just side note, I was the most, uh, I was so against business coaching, uh, for the longest time until I hired this guy. So anyways, um, one thing he, he has told me over and over again is you should always be thinking and making decisions based off your business, where you want it to be and not where it currently is. And so I, I like the fact of the fact that you're thinking about steps two, three, four, five, um, because that's where your business, that's where you want your business to be. And you need, I like decisions need to be, be made based off those things. And, that, and that's why we like, I, we're bringing up like the CEO, COO, like you can have small, a small company and still have those things, but it's just good to think about that because it, you know, if, if you make decisions based off what your current, where your, your current business situation, that will 100% bottleneck you. Um, and it'll 100% limit your business because very simple example, someone, you know, if someone wants to, um, if there's a, if there's like a piece of equipment that they need, like, um, uh, that will help them go to the next level, but they're, they're, they're looking at it as a cost. They can't currently, uh, expense that right now, but they know they're going to have, they need to have it eventually. And so like, what I would tell them is you need to go ahead and purchase it because that's where your business will be in the next three years. Right. Um, it's just like, so with hiring, right. So when, if you go back to when I first hired my, my, my first person, I, that was a scary moment for me, a scary moment because I was like, okay, I have all this revenue that's coming to me right now and it's all coming to me. And then I'm about to have to share it with this other person. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a very scary thing, but I knew, I knew my business, I knew where it needed to be. And in order for me to do that, I needed to hire somebody that was good at operations because I like, I'm decent, but I, that is not my, that's not where I'm, where I'm really efficient at. So I needed somebody that was really good at operations and how to, how to manage projects and clients and things like that. Um, and so that's who I hired. I hired somebody that was good at that, someone that was good at organization. And so I made sure it was somebody that, that I like that had a skill set that I couldn't currently do. Maybe it's on the sales side. So maybe that next hire for you is someone who's good at sales or business development, right? It needs to be somebody who does not have the skill set that you have. I think that's a, that's a big mistake that I see a lot of people do, especially whenever they're looking at taking on a business partner. Um, cause you, that, that could be an opportunity for you maybe, um, is to make sure that I would say your business partner or the first person you hire has a complementary skill set that you have, not the same skill set, right? You don't want to hire another animator. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Unless you're willing to give up that work, right? Like, right. although I, I agree, like that's not going to, it's not going to actually help you in terms of operations or, or, or growing the business. It might help offload some of your work if you wanted to take on, but then you have to get good at operations or systems. Again, someone has to fill that role, right? Right. 
Yeah. I'm curious, Spencer, like where, where's your head at in terms of uh, like, what do you think maybe next steps are for moving toward this vision you have of wedding industry, animation business? What, what do you think coming away from this call, what some next steps might be and, and are there ways we could help you? Well, going into the call, my, my kind of plan was uh, I want some solid like work samples that I could share and be like, this is what I can offer. And I want a, to put up a website that I could send direct people to with the samples on it to be like, hey, this is what I do. This is how you can get in touch with me and ideally have like more of a system set up. But that might take some time as kind of you alluded to. So I would say step one is get the work done. And then step two would be have the place where that work lives. And then step three would be start directing people to that place. I think that's a good way to think about it. I would caution you, like I've seen so many freelancers spend so much time trying to build the perfect portfolio mm -hmm. before they start pitching clients and I'm a huge huge fan of just like just go try to get some clients you don't need you probably don't need as many or as perfect of examples as you think you need if this idea really has legs like maybe skip to step three and and start really trying to generate some some work and as soon as you have clients who are interested then you can you can go back and do some of that preliminary work um, once you know the business itself has legs I don't know Clay what's your take uh, yeah, no, this is, I, I'm glad you said that because that is a, uh, <laughs> this is something I talk about all the time. So all I, I've started, a, I've started four different businesses. Um, one, you know, one, and one of them I sold, I still have three of them, but all of them, I, I pre-sold all of them before I had a product available. And like, so my agency, when I started as a website designer, I didn't have my own website built for my first 10 clients. Like I, I just didn't. And so I'm a big advocate of just like, okay, you have this, this wedding animation idea. Um, I, I think it could be a good idea. Um, however, we just don't know. We don't know if the market is, a, is ready for it. So I, I think it's a good idea to go out there and just try to sell it first. And if you need something to show, go the weddings are happening all year round do do one for free right just to have one right um or or relatively inexpensive just so you can have at least one that you can show and then go try to pre-sell it that's what i think and if you really want a website to send people like you can throw something on wix or squarespace do one pager and yeah. in, in like an afternoon hours yeah, yeah. yeah. um there's like no bigger rush than getting people to pay you for something that you haven't made yet or haven't built yet. Like oh. it's so, it's so exciting and it can propel you so far forward in your business um, because you're like, okay, clearly there's, there's money here. There's a market fit here. Like people are willing to pay for this thing when it doesn't even exist. Imagine what they'll be willing to pay when I do have, when I go back and do all that preliminary work, build a portfolio, lots of cool examples, perfect mm -hmm. systems and all of that. But it, it can be super rough in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess the uh, common knowledge that I always hear is no one's going to hire you to do work that you haven't already done. 
Um, so like, for example, I do mostly 2D animation, but I like doing 3D animation as well, but I have very little of it in my portfolio, so I never get hired to do it. So I guess- it's mindset thing. My thinking. Yeah, that, that feels like, I don't know. That's a, that's a, it's a BS thing. I think it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a 100%. I will tell you, it's a mindset thing. You got to get that out of your mind. Um, that, that whole thing, like that, that saying, what was, I don't remember, whatever you said that the people won't pay for something you don't currently offer. Like that's no people will pay for something they want or need. That's the better phrase. Right. And so like, so my company, I don't know if you've taken a look, if you haven't, but my company's Dripify. I pre-sold that thing back in, I think, March of last year. I had no website, no nothing. Uh, in fact, I have a whole screen record of me actually pre-selling this thing to 30 different people. And, I, and it was just me of texting people, Facebook messaging people, Instagramming people, emailing people. And I said, hey, I have this idea. Um, I'm taking beta members. Uh, here's, here's how much it's going to cost. Do you want in? And I got 30 people in two days to sign up. Hmm. And so I had money and I didn't even have the product. And so, and as soon as I got the product or the money in, I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to make the product now, but at least I know there's a market for it. Right? That's, so that's, what else it that's what else it does for you. Is it like obligates you then to do the thing that you've, you've promised, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I did this, I've done this with um, our subscription service called Solid Gigs. I've done it with uh, eBooks and with courses. Like we've released a ton of stuff that I was just like, this sounds like a good idea. And I wrote up a marketing page of what I thought it was going to look like. And I put a pre-order button on it and I sent it out to people and people start ordering it. And I literally had no product to sell. And I don't think that's like a sin. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Like I was very clear that it was a pre-order. It wasn't done. And, um, and people pre-order. And then all of a sudden I had this date, you know, three weeks later by which I had to deliver whatever it was that people had bought. So instead of like fiddling around for two years, trying to get everything perfect and figuring out all the details only to have it flop. Instead, I had money in the door early and then I had proof that the concept was going to work and I was motivated to get it done in a short amount of time because I had customers who were depending on me. It's a really, really cool way to think through, um, getting started on a new business idea. Yeah, that's interesting. So how do you uh, find and reach those people for your uh, beta program or pre-sale? How, how would you normally find them? I would, I would say Clay's going to give you a much better answer than mine, but I want to ask you, like, how would you find them if you waited until step three? You know what I mean? It's sort of a hypothetical question, but, but like, you know, if you were going to find them after all that stuff was ready, just use whatever way you were going to do that, do that now. Hmm. Yeah. My, my take on that is, um, 100% collaboration. And so I, I would figure out, so think about it. Where are all the brides going to be? Uh, who are they going to be interacting with? Right. It's going to be wedding venues. It's going to be registries, right? Ph wedding photographers, wedding videographers, talk to those four or types of people and try to collaborate with them because those four types of people, the, they have built in audiences that you can tap into. Yeah. That's where, that's where I would go. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, exactly with like videographers and photographers because they'll have like the same 
like crappy uh final cut template like text in the intro like if i could just like do that and they could offer it as an add-on for their clients directly wouldn't even directly deal with the client probably but that could be a, a good start yeah yeah good it's idea. a good start for sure yeah those those companies could be your customers actually like instead of a, a b2c company where you're serving people who are getting married maybe you are serving instead people who are serving people who are getting married right you're one step removed um you know there is the there is the caution of like like not just creating another job for yourself like you're doing currently but building a system where you can actually work with maybe dozens or hundreds of those companies eventually but it's a great a great place to start i think to to get sort of your feet under you and make sure that the concept is is there so i think maybe we'll we'll wrap up this call with that invitation we're going to try to uh, leave an invitation with everybody that we uh, chat with on the air. Maybe that's the invitation is like figure out how you can get, um, how you can test this uh, for market fit, right? Like how can you get your first five customers before you ever develop a giant portfolio or do some of the steps one and two that you were talking about? How can you jump right to step three? And then maybe if we're lucky, we can check in with you in a couple months and, uh, and see how that's gone. How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds great. Thanks a lot, guys. Freelance to Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance to Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Karud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.